John chapter 14 is where we are making our way uh, through the gospel of John. I was thinking about John 14 at the football game the other night. There's a, there's a young man on, uh, on, on the boys' football team. I don't know the boy's name, but, but he's an underclassman. And I was watching him on the sideline, and, and he, 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 was, he had the uniform on. He, he, was, he dressed and looked the part. But what I was looking at was a young man who is not ready. I mean, he comes to all the practices. He wears the uniform. But, but just mentally, physically, he's not ready. And the truth is, if they send him out there into the game... Well, I'm sitting there saying we don't want that to happen. That would be disastrous for our team. And, and, and if he would tell the truth, probably the person who really doesn't want him to go out there in the game against, against that guy who's got a beard and who is ready is probably him. And I was watching him and I was thinking about John 14. Because in John 14... I love your face, Doreen. Doreen's like, what, how, why are you going to make this connection? But I'm just, this is how my mind works, okay? I'm always thinking, Bible, Georgia Christian football, they just kind of merge in my mind. They're, they're up there at the top. Oh, my wife's up there too. But, uh, but sorry, babe. But, but, but what I was thinking was about the disciples of Christ. And, 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 they, and they, they looked the part. Everybody could tell, these are the 12. These are the leaders. These, this is the next generation. And... And they're following Jesus around everywhere that they go. And, but, but Jesus is telling them, I'm about to leave and it's going to be your time. And when Jesus is telling them it's about to be your time, their response is one of, I, I'm not sure if it's really our time or not. And, and you kind of see that in the chapter that, 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 that even though they've been with Jesus so long, we, we, we've got Thomas asking like in verse 5, Lord, we, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? And you, 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 see, you, you, you see people at, raise their hand, they ask a question, you know, like in an athletic contest. Like how, what kind of a question is that? What do you mean, where are you going? Like, have, have you not been paying attention, you know, for the last three months of practice? How, how are you asking that question? Philip says in verse 8, Lord, show us the Father and it's enough for us. Jesus says, have I been with you so long, yet, yet you don't know me, Philip? Like, what kind of question is that? You are demonstrating the fact that you are not really ready to do this all on your own. And you are rightfully intimidated by, 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 this, by this obstacle that you're about to have to face. And, and that's kind of the setting for this whole chapter. Jesus knows that. Jesus knows that they're not really ready in and of themselves. And so, and so he, he speaks to them and he starts off, this is where we were a few weeks ago in verse 14, or in verse 1 of chapter 14. He starts off by saying, let not your heart be troubled. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, I don't want you to be scared. I don't want you to be overwhelmed. I don't want you to feel like you're going to have to turn tail and run out of here. Why? You believe in God, believe also in me. And so, so much in the first part of this chapter, Jesus is telling them, you don't have to be overwhelmed because of me. You put your faith in me. 
I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So, so you keep your eyes firmly on Jesus. But, but, but he continues all the way down to the end of the chapter. And you look at verse 27. He's still saying the same thing. Peace I leave you with. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives you, but, I, but do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. So, so he, didn't, he didn't stop trying to comfort them whenever we left verse 6 or whenever we left verse, verse 14 or 15. No, the whole section, Jesus is trying to comfort them. And the second way that He tries to comfort them is by telling them that the Spirit of God is coming. Now, so often when we talk about the Holy Spirit... Doesn't that just put you all at ease when we talk about the Holy Spirit? Ah, oh, the Holy Spirit just makes me... No, usually it does it quite, quite the opposite to us, right? Usually it kind of ramps up the anxiety. Like, oh boy, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit this morning. And there's so many crazy things that have been said about the Holy Spirit. And listen, that's not what he's doing here. He's not bringing up the Spirit because He's trying to get them excited or make them nervous or call those sorts of questions in their mind. He's telling them about the Spirit because He wants, he wants them to feel better about the situation. And you've got to remember that. You've got to remember that when you're reading this. And hopefully it will guide us along the way. I am not going to do a five-part series on the Holy Spirit this morning, okay? So breathe easy. That's not what we're doing. We've, we've done four or five-part series in the past on that. Not what we're doing, but I want, us, I want us to see where the comfort comes from. So let's, let's just read it. All the way back in verse 16. You got your Bible out, right? Verse 16. Jesus says to them, I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper. Um, some of your Bibles say another comforter. So, some Bibles say another advocate that literally uh, it's it's called the, the the paraclete okay and it's it's really a difficult thing i guess to translate because there are so many different translations of it but but the idea is i'm not leaving you by yourself i'm not going to be with you anymore you've heard that but i'm telling you when i leave you're not going to be orphans i'm not, I'm not leaving you by yourself that he may be with you forever that is the spirit of truth that's who, that's who I'm going to send. I'm going to go away, but don't worry about it. I'm going to send to you the Spirit of truth. That is, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it does not behold Him or know Him. But you know Him because He abides in you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. No, I will come to you. And after a little while, while the world will behold me no more, but you will behold me because I live, and you shall live also. In that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has commandments and keeps them, he who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me, and he who, he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. 
So, so you're looking at this. There's so much we can say about these verses. But, but, but you're looking at this and you're saying, I'm going to be more distant from you. No. No, I've got to leave so that we can be closer than ever. I've got to leave so that we can be more intimate than ever. That's what he's, he's trying to help them understand that, okay? And so this doesn't make sense. If you're leaving, how are we going to be closer? Closeness doesn't work that way. Oh, it does if you understand the context, right? Well, Judas, not Iscariot, said, said to him, Lord, uh, what then has happened that you are going to disclose yourself to us and not to the world? I, well, once again, he's asking a question that says, I don't really understand what you're talking about. I don't understand what's going on here. You're talking about how we're going to get it, but they're not going to get it. Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Matter of fact, what Jesus is going to do is uh, basically repeat what he just said in a, in a different way of saying it. Okay? If you can go all the way back to verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Now these things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But, but the helper, the comforter, this is the spirit of truth. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your heart be troubled. Nor let it be fearful. The, the, the text is almost so overwhelming I almost wanted to skip it. There's just so many moving parts here. But I want us, I want us to see the big picture of what he's saying. You're not going to be left alone because when i leave i'm going to send the spirit of god the holy spirit the spirit of truth i'm going to send the spirit to you he's speaking he's speaking specifically to the to the 12 to his disciples okay i'm going to send the spirit to you and that spirit is going to reveal certain things to you and that Spirit is actually going to draw you closer to me than you currently are. In verses 16 through 18, this, this is where we see these promises. I will pray the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may abide with you forever. So I'm trying to draw you closer. Verses 25 through 26. These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. So when we think about the Spirit as He relates to the apostles and why this would have been a word of comfort to them. We, 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 and by the way, this is going to go beyond chapter 14. This is going to be one of the themes of what, of what Jesus is going to be saying over, over the next few chapters, okay? So, so what is He saying? What is the Spirit going to do? Well, number one, the Spirit is going to teach them all things. You're concerned? I'm not going to be here. I've done all the talking before, but I'm not here. So now that I'm not here, you're going to have to do all the talking. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? 
Well, don't worry about it. The Spirit's going to teach you what to say. This is not a universal, a universal promise of inspiration for all men. This is something he's, he's telling to a very specific group of men. He's going to teach you the things that you need to know. Secondly, he says, he's going to bring to your remembrance all that Jesus said. I'm trying to remember. Okay, now Jesus said this, and I, I, want, to be, I want to be faithful to him, but I just don't remember. I'm having trouble telling, telling people what I had for lunch three days ago, right? Let alone, let alone creating the, quoting the creator of the universe. That's not going to be their issue. You're going to have this understanding. The Spirit is going to come in chapter 15 and verse 26, and He's going to bear witness to Jesus. Just turn there and read that. Chapter 15 and verse 26. When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, same person as chapter 14, who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness of Me. And you will bear witness also. That's the way it's going to work. You're going to go and preach. You're going to preach in Jerusalem to thousands of people, to a hostile audience. You don't know what to say. Don't worry about what you're going to say. He's telling them, I'm going to be with you. You guys sometimes struggle with that? It's been great. Throughout, throughout this year, we've had different men who have gotten up and they've, and they've shared the, the Lord's invitation with us on Wednesday night. For some of you, that's been no problem. But I'm going to tell you that, that, that for some of you, that's been a very, very scary experience. Because you've said, what am I going to say? A lot of you have just said, I don't talk about Jesus in public. Okay? I don't do that in front of other people. Terrified of doing that. Well, that's not new. They would have had the same intimidation that we have. But don't worry about it. The Lord's going to tell you what to say. He's going to bear witness of Jesus, and then you're going to bear witness of Jesus. In chapter 16 and verse 13, he says that he's going to guide them into all truth. Once again, chapter 16 and verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. And he shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and shall disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. He's saying the same thing. Jesus, Jesus has been saying, I'm just giving you what the Father gave me. I'm not going to be here. But the Spirit, the Helper, the Comforter, he is going to be here. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to give you the things that are given to him. The things of God. He's going to guide you into all truth. This ought to make you feel better. This ought to bring you peace about what you're going to say and when you're going to say it and how you're going to say it even though you feel like you're on an island all by yourself because, because your leader just was crucified, was murdered on the cross of Calvary. So, so how does this play out? Well, there's a lot of ways that, that the Spirit plays out in their lives, but, but, but you, think, you think in particular about what happens, about what happens in Acts chapter 2. When we open up the book of Acts, the disciples of Jesus, they're waiting. Jesus has arisen from the dead. He's ascended back into heaven. 
And in Acts chapter 1, they're sitting there waiting. What are they waiting on? Well, they're waiting on the Spirit. Luke 24 and verse 49, Jesus said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but you tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued, endued with power from on high. You wait in Jerusalem. You wait for the power that's going to come. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus says, But you shall receive power, same thing, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. So Jesus goes back into heaven. Jesus ascends back into heaven. They're in Jerusalem. They're waiting on power. Power from whom? Power from the Holy Spirit of God. That's what they're waiting on. That's who they're waiting on. And so, and so we have this scene that plays out. We have this scene that plays out where there's this mighty rushing wind that comes upon the people and the tongues of fire and, 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 and their ability to, to, to speak in languages that, that, that they haven't studied. And the people are looking at them and they're saying, what in the world is this? What are we looking at? Are they drunk? Right? As if they're speaking some language that nobody knows or because they don't know that real language, right? They're saying, what is this? And Peter gets up and he starts his sermon in Acts 2 and verse, in Acts 2 and verse 17 by quoting from Joel 2 and verse 28. He says, I'll tell you what it is. It shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. What you're looking at, what you're looking at is the Spirit of God. So how do we, so, so we think about these people, 3,000 people that are going to obey the gospel on the day of Pentecost, right? 3,000 people. And sometimes I think that we forget that when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, he was preaching to a hostile audience. These were not people who were, who were setting up for Spark 2023, I can't wait to be there and hear, hear those great lessons and grow in my faith. That is not what was going on in Acts 2. These are the same people that shouted, Crucify! When it was about Jesus just a little bit over a month ago. These were the same people who wanted people that, that said the things that Peter was going to say. They wanted them dead because they were blasphemers. So how do you go from somebody who if you say it again, you're going to die, to I now give my life in pursuit of this man? How do you do that? We struggle to get people to go to Bible studies when people ask for Bible studies. So how do, how do you convert 3,000 people? This is the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what's going on in that place. They're seeing things, they're hearing things that could not be denied. Does that make sense? All the way, all the way to Acts chapter 10, right? The same thing that happened in Acts chapter 2, you're going to see the same thing in Acts chapter 10. You can call it, I call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Only place in Scripture you'll see this in Acts 2 and in Acts 10. But in Acts 10, y'all know what happens in Acts 10, right? It's a big deal to all of us in this room. The conversion of Cornelius and his household. And that's significant because he's a Gentile. Just like you. Just like me. And while we are very accustomed to the idea that the gospel is for all, that is not where Jewish Christians lived from Acts chapter 2 to Acts chapter 9. 
Matter of fact, I've often said that if you were there on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and you tried to respond to the invitation, do you know what they would have told you? Not for you. Not for you. You are not one of God's chosen. So in Acts chapter 10, when Peter baptizes Cornelius and his household, when Peter baptizes Cornelius and his household, listen, he's got some explaining to do. And so, and so we, come, we come all the way to Acts chapter 11 where Paul's got to go and ex- Peter's got to go and explain himself. What in the world were you doing baptizing Gentiles? That's to go on up to Jerusalem, and he's there with the rest of the apostles and, and the elders of the church there. And, he, and, and in his defense, he says in Acts chapter 11 and verse 12, he says, The Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. Don't just think that I was like, you know what I think would be really good? I think we should invite the Gentiles to come and be a part of the church. That was not Peter's idea. Matter of fact, when the Spirit did tell him that, the Spirit had to tell him three times. Because the first time the Spirit said, rise, Peter, kill and eat. You remember what Peter said? I don't think so. I'm not doing that. This is not what he thought was a good idea. This was something that only came by, by the Spirit of God. In Acts chapter 11, verses 15 and through 16, he's going to continue his defense. And he says, listen, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remember the words of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, if God therefore gave to them the same gift he gave to us after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And after they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God. Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. Now, I don't know of any other time in the Bible where we see anything like Acts 2 and Acts 10, right? But these are monumental moments. How do you take people that crucified Jesus and make them into Christians? How do you take Gentiles and bring them into the church in a way that, in a way that the Jewish people are going to accept it? Well, these are the things that the Spirit is going to reveal to them. These are the things that the Spirit is going to reveal to them. And this is going to be key in the preaching of the apostles in the first century. In 1 Corinthians, go ahead and turn over to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul's going to talk all about the source of his message. We always play this game of, you know, well, well, who who gives you that right? And why, why, why do you get to say that Paul dealt with it too? And Paul dealt with it so, so head on. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 4, he says, I want to tell you right off, my speech and my preaching, they were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. So you're wondering why I'm saying the things I'm saying? Not because of me. I'm saying these things because of the Spirit. He'll go on in verses 12 through 13 to say, Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but we've received the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches us, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with, with spiritual You can unpack the same thing that he's saying there in John 14 about why some people didn't listen to that because they're fleshly-minded and they're carnally-minded. 
and not spiritually minded. But this is what Paul's saying. This is, this is what stands behind everything that I'm saying to you. And, and, and when you think about the context in, in the book of 1 Corinthians, what kind of stuff is Paul going to talk about? Well, you guys know he's going to talk about church division and name names. He's going to talk about sexual immorality in the church. He's going to talk about brethren suing brethren. He's going to talk about marriage issues. He's going to talk about Christian liberty, ways that people were abusing the Lord's Supper, how people were abusing spiritual gifts, even, even the denying of the resurrection. Now, any one of those topics, if I brought them up today, would cause a stir. Is that true? If our topic this morning was about division in the church and what some people were doing, and I started naming names, you think that would be a hard, a hard thing to talk about? Y'all better shake your head like you're listening. I'm going to start naming names, right? No, I, no, I'm not, all right? No, I'm not, I promise you, okay? But, but if, 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 we were talking about, if I said, let's talk about sexual morality in the church. Let's talk about what this brother's doing with that sister. You think that would be a hard thing to talk about? If we started talking about, about marriage issues or Christian liberty or, or what people are doing or not doing with the Lord's Supper, those are things that are hard to talk about. Now, how would the revelation of the Holy Spirit be a comfort in addressing some of these controversial issues? Well, it ought to be obvious. These things are difficult if they're coming from me. But, but when you begin to see yourself as this carrier, this earthen vessel, all I'm doing is telling you what God told me to tell you. I'm just a conduit, right? And that, that doesn't mean that these things don't, don't raise the temperature a little bit. But it is saying, listen, this is, not, this is not about your preacher figuring out exactly what you need to hear and how you need to hear it. If that were the case, if that were the case, y'all got problems. And your preachers really got problems. This is about sharing the things that have been revealed. You're not going to be out there all by yourself. I know you're nervous about it, right? I know you're still asking questions that, that, don't, that don't make you look so hot, he's saying to his disciples. But I'm telling you, I'm leaving, but I'm sending someone. I'm sending the Holy Spirit of God. Now, if that would help, if that would help them in their context, how can it help us to understand the source of our material? Can I tell you that there are some things that I have preached from this pulpit that I would not have the nerve and that sometimes I got a lot of nerve, okay? I'm just going to tell you. But I'm going to tell you there are things that I have preached from this pulpit that I would not have the nerve to say out loud if I was not reading directly from the Holy Spirit inspired scriptures. That's just the truth. That's not just my truth. That's that's the disciples truth. Peter said this in 2 Peter 1, verses 20 and 21, knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. It's where we get off the rails in the religious world because, well, I'm thinking this, and I'm thinking that, and you're thinking that, and this is all over the map. And Peter's saying, y'all are broken at a foundational level because you've got all these men trying to tell you what they think. That's not what this is about. Prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved 
by the Holy Spirit. So all of a sudden, the burden is not on me. The Lord's carrying the burden. And so Jesus says to his disciples, I want you to understand this. I want you to understand this so that you can be filled with peace. And I think, conversely, so that you will be filled with boldness and courage. Just as the disciples were comforted by the Spirit who was coming after Jesus, who would guide them into all truth and who would testify about Jesus. Believers today, that's you and me, okay? That's you and me. There's some things said in John 14 that are very, speaking to a very specific group of men. But the principles that are there, listen, they ought to, they ought to bring you and me great comfort in the fact that we are not alone. I don't stand up here alone. We don't go into a Bible study alone. We don't teach our classes alone. We don't discuss God's Word alone. As we go forth sharing the same testimony of God, we do so with confidence that the words that we're sharing, they're not really our own. But they are the words of God. I'm not saying that God's putting words in my mouth, but I'm saying if I'm saying something up here that's not, that, that, that's not of God, then why would you listen? Why would you listen? You wouldn't. But if I'm speaking the words of God, you better. So all of a sudden, the burden is gone. Paul wrote about the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13. And he said, for this reason, we thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God. Which also effectively works in you who believe. May we understand. May we take comfort in the fact that we are not looking for the revelation of man. Man has a different thought about this and that and everything else. Some of them are good and some of them are not. And some of them are smooth and some of them are not. Who cares? But God has spoken unto us the words of life. Now we must share those words that have been shared with us from the Spirit, through the apostles, through His Word, to man, through our lips. That's the process, right? We must share those things, but we must also respond to those things. Why? Because they are the Word of God. So I'm asking you, when I send the invitation and I invite someone to come and to repent and be baptized to wash away their sins, I didn't make that up. You can sit in your pew for the next 50 Sundays. And I may take that personal, but it's not really personal against me. It's personal against God. I have to understand that. I can refuse to repent all day long, and people can say, how can I reach Him? How can I, how can I do this? I, I don't know the answer to that. But at the end of the day, you're not really rejecting man. You're rejecting God. I can take all my burdens and say, I ain't sharing with no one. I'm not even sharing with the Lord. And man's going to be frustrated by that, but I'm going to tell you, that's not really about man. That's about God. So may we be a people who have comfort in the fact that we're not dependent upon man. And may may we be a people who are challenged by the fact that we don't respond to man, but that our God has not left us without a witness. Friends, if you have a need to respond this morning, you come as we stand and as we sing.